So today we start part three of the message series that we've called Don't Waste Your Work. How many of for you work can be a four-letter word if you know what I'm saying? I mean, it is a four-letter word, but you get what I'm saying. Work can be obnoxiously boring, frustrating, annoying, because it has all the things that make up for that. And then we ask, why am I even doing this? Because we don't often always find purpose in what we do. And we started out this series by going a crazy direction and saying, don't work. Not exactly, but we said there's a sacred rhythm of rest that when we only work, we miss out on what the real part of life is. And so the God who rests, who Sabbaths, who manuhas, he enters into the real. And for us, we get to also stop from our working so that we can enter into what all the work was for. And then we, last week, we jumped into the idea of purpose. Why do we even work anyway? What are we, what are we attempting to, to, to uncover or do? If we got centered spiritually by not working, then when we are working and we have so much time that we are working, what is it all for? Well, we've been given this royal calling to take the whole world forward, that God would invite us to co-create and, and, and take this whole thing forward. So your work actually is helping move forward the story that's in Scripture, that God would invite you and I with our work to bring more mercy, more grace, more compassion, more understanding, more order out of chaos, more of God's loving presence into all the world. And so I thought today we'd briefly look at this idea of calling, finding clarity in what we do. And I'm going to start with the story about neon lights and voices from the sky because everybody loves a good disco story, right? Uh, no, that is not going, come, disco stories in church? Come on, guys, seriously. Um, because here's the deal. I meet a lot of people and maybe you're one of them, who ask, what is my calling? What is God even asking me to do? And when we talk about calling, when, when, we, when we look for that answer, I think a lot of people are, are misinformed. Like as if there's just this one thing that I'm supposed to do with my life, and if I miss out on that, I will be endlessly unhappy. Anybody ever felt that way? What I'm doing right now is not bringing me joy and purpose and satisfaction, and there might only be one thing that can. And then when you find your calling, you're like, oh, I should have been doing this all along. Or maybe you've never found your calling and you feel frustrated. Life is a little bit different than that. So there's this story about a guy named Saul. And it's in the scripture in Acts chapter 9. And we're not going to put it up on the screen. I'm just going to tell you a recap of the story really quick. But Saul is this uh, guy who is frustrated with these disruptive group of people called Christians who are following Jesus. And um, they're disruptive to the people's way of life because they're like caring for the sick. And, and they're doing things that, um, well, that that just don't seem right. In fact, they're disrupting the seat of power because they're saying, 
no, 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 that religious system, that's not where it's at. It's not about a religion. It's not about, uh, it's not about the, the powers that be. It's about this guy named Jesus who set the world on fire and said, no, no, God loves you right where you are. But he doesn't leave you there. And so they started flipping the world upside down by caring for the sick and, and changing the way cities worked and operated in, in, in governments and in relationships. And they started giving out mercy and caring for the people that were on the outcast of society. And so this guy gets upset, and he starts going after them. And he's on the road to Damascus, which is a city, if you didn't know that. And uh, he's walking along the road. And as the story goes... He's walking with intent to go kill people, to put them in prison. And a bright light from heaven opens up and shines down. You ever seen that moment where the clouds kind of dissipate in one little section and it looks like a beam of light coming down from heaven? And the light shines down on him and it, it's so bright it blinds him. And he hears a voice from heaven Saul, this is my best Morgan Freeman voice, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? I'm Jesus. I'm not sure that's how Jesus talked, but you get the idea. And so they have this interaction, and he gets told to go to a guy's house in Damascus, and that this guy would come to his house and pray over him, and then the scales would fall from his eyes because he had fish scales that apparently were blinding him. And this story is absolutely wonderful and brilliant because it alters Saul's life. And it gives him a unique calling to follow Jesus and go to all of the people who would otherwise have been excluded by the church and excluded by God and say to those people, no, no, you're in. God loves you and you and you. It changes his life. It changes the course of his life. I think a lot of us are waiting for the moment where the heavens open up and the bright light shines on us and the voice from the sky says, Zeb, this is what I want you to do. So that you can be certain you are in the center of God's will. Now, for some people, that happens. Lights, voices, Somebody in my own family heard voices from the sky. Another person I know had lights. In fact, two people had lights and, and either an angel or God in, in the hospital room, right? I can't verify that. I wasn't there, but that's, that's the story, right? But for most of us, that's the exception, not the rule. As your pastor, I can tell you, I've never had the neon lights from sky and the voice of the Morgan Freeman God telling me exactly what I needed to do. Instead, it's been a little bit different. So if you fast forward just a little bit in the story, Saul changes his name to Paul because, you know, the, less scary. And, uh, and then he starts, instead of going to hunt people down and put them in prison, he starts doing what the voice of God from the sky said. And he starts listening to God's spirit and presence. And he starts going into all of these towns and peoples that would otherwise be excluded. And he starts churches. And he finally, he comes up to this situation. And they invite him to make his way back to where the church started in Jerusalem. 
And so by Acts 15, he's going with all the other people where the disciples that followed Jesus around, where the church started, and he's hanging with them, and they have this discussion. And they write this line. This is a crazy line. It's in Acts chapter 15, verse 28. They're asking for clarity around what to do next. And so when deciding what to do and looking for clarity around it, they talk as a group and they prayed and they wrote this letter and it says this in verse 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That looks like the extreme opposite of the bright lights from the sky to we talked about it, we prayed about it, and we feel good about it. Those are two kind of extreme perspectives, right? On the one hand, the voice of God, the heavens open up, the lights, this is what I want you to do. And on the other hand, we read the scripture, we prayed about it, we feel good about it, seemed good. In fact, leading up to that, they cast lots to see who would go on the trip. They drew straws. And Paul got the short straw, which is why he went on the trip to begin with. So which is it? Is our calling the bright lights, the neon lights, and the voice from the sky? Or is it this, we talked about it, we prayed about it, we read the scriptures, we feel like this is what God would say. The spectrum is all over the place. And for me, it's never been the bright lights of the sky. It's been the other way. Maybe a lot of us are waiting for the exception rather than the rule. But the rule is beautiful as we look for clarity around what God is asking us to do or asking us to be our calling. It's beautiful because we get the Holy Spirit. Now, it's important to note this. We are waiting for something that has already been spelled out. See, when you read the scripture and you come across the idea of calling, calling can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people, right? If I said, I got called out, what would I be saying? I did something wrong. I got called on it, right? If I said, I was called from, right? I was doing something and I got called out of it. So let's say a job offer came up. I got called while I was there to do this other thing. And I see calling can be all over the place. It can be called to do, it can be called out, it can be called from. There are all kinds of understandings, but biblically, when we talk about our calling, it's usually about who we are, who we are being called. God is calling us child, saved, loved, chosen. See, God's calling is about what you be, who we be. It's about who you are. It's Look at how it gets spelled out. Paul writes a letter to one of his protégés a little bit later, and, and this is in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. It's on the screen. He has saved us, and 
Everybody say that out loud. And called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Did you catch that? Called to a holy life, not because of something you've done. In other words, you can't do calling. You are calling. It's about who you be. And I love that because the pressure's off. All of a sudden, it's about who I am, not my performance. Now, being called holy is like being called set apart, right? Being, it's almost like being called sacred with God's presence. God has called us holy, called us to a holy life. This was the grace given to us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. It's grace to us. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We're called holy to a holy life. God is not calling us to do, but calling us who we are. In another space, Paul says it this way, and this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them as he had committed uh, us to the message of reconciliation. This is verse 20. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. I love that. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And you have to read the first verse of the next chapter because it continues. It says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. This is a beautiful, beautiful calling. We are new creations if anyone is in Christ. If you have chosen Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you're a new person. Therefore, you are called, fundamentally different, called child, called love, called grace, called holy, called ambassadors, called co-workers in the process. We are called to be free from sin, which doesn't mean like do different from sin. It's like you can, you are fundamentally able to because that's who you are. You're called. So when we talk about our work, what does this have to do with you going into the office, you're nine to five, making sales, teaching kids, caring for people in the hospital, writing code on the computer, fixing pipes, whatever it is that you do, selling mattresses, what does this calling have to do with what you do with your work. Well, no matter what you do, first off, 
your co-workers in grace dispensation. You are good news hustlers, that the grace of God is for all. You are already holy and set apart, set apart to be Christ wherever it is you find yourselves. So if you're wondering what's my calling, maybe your calling needs to start right where you are. Maybe it's not about something else somewhere else. Maybe it's not even about starting a different job. Maybe, um, well, let's put it this way. You come from a family, right? That family has all kinds of dynamics. When you move out of your home, you don't leave your family. You bring your family with you, even if you're running from your family. Yes? It's part of your identity. It has shaped you. The past and the people and the tribe, and you could say it in all kinds of ways. It doesn't necessarily have to be just immediate family. We could talk about it, the cultural family that you're a part of, the city culture that you're a part of. When you leave, it still is a part of you. You don't get to leave who you are behind. You may get to start new. You may get to start over, but it, it shapes you. So when you become a part of the family of Christ, that is with you no matter where you are. And so God's calling for you in your life for such a time as this, maybe it's like this, wherever it is that you're going to work for, whatever it is that you're going to do, whatever relationships that you have, whatever skills and abilities you get to bring, maybe your calling is to use you in all of your Eunice. Can I say Eunice? Is that okay? Not the name Eunice, but, you know, what makes you you. In all of your Eunice, maybe the calling is to start there in your relationships with your abilities and skill sets to be Christ where you are. And as you start there, you might find that the job you're doing is not as meaningful as you had hoped, but the relationships and how you're able to care for people and what you're able to do within that is immensely meaningful. What you may find is no matter what you choose to do, you get to bring your calling with you. Now, there's two daunting things about this. For some people, they're, list, they're listening to this and they're saying, wait a second, God put me in this spot for this time to tell the world that he loves them? That's it? Like that's, how do I do that? You listen to the Holy Spirit. See, when it says it seemed good to us and the Spirit, they had spent some time in prayer. They had spent some time in God's word hearing the voice of God. And when you pray and you meditate, the, when you're a new creation, you get promised the presence of God's spirit right where you are. It may take some time to learn to listen to it. But eventually you find yourself doing some things that you may never have done. And by the way, Jesus in John 14 says the spirit's role for you, if you're a Christian, is to guide you into all truth. Think about that, to guide you into all truth. So the Spirit's guide as you're discerning why it is that you do what you do with your work is to guide you into all truth. You know what that truth is? Not the truth about what you're doing, the truth about who you are. 
It's a reminder that when you step into a place that is dark, you're light. It's a reminder that when you step into a place that lacks mercy, you're merciful. It's a reminder of who you are. That's what the Spirit gets to do. If you're a child of the King, then you have the immense backing of the Spirit. Now check this out. For other people, they're thinking, okay, so I just have to listen to the Spirit. Here's the other thing. And, and I'm going to say this, and then you guys get to repeat it. You decide. Everybody say, you decide. Turn to your neighbor and say, you decide. By the way, if that was a spouse, you just gave that spouse serious credentials. Anyway, when we say you decide, here's what I mean by that. What if your calling isn't just that one thing that if you only did that, everything in your life would be right. But what if your calling is a permission giving by the God Almighty to say, you decide. You get to decide how you do today, how you interact with people. What if that permission giving is the most empowering thing for our calling that could ever be? It was that way from the beginning. As the kids make their way in, it was that way in the beginning, right? Adam got to name the animals. He got to decide what they were called. They got to decide where they lived and how they would set up their countries and their people. They got to put their own government. But we get to decide. God has given us this freedom to decide how to live out who we are. In fact, Paul, when he left after drawing the short straw and writing that letter, it seemed good to us in the spirit. He got to decide which way the journey went. He was not previously told. He was empowered because he knew who he was and who he was with. Now, does that sound like a lot of pressure for somebody? Who's really challenged when having to make decisions? Yes? Like it's paralyzing? I don't know what to do. What? I just need more. Enter again the Holy Spirit. But the beautiful thing about that verse in Acts 15, 28, it seemed good to us. We don't have to do it alone. We do life together. And so if you're uncertain, this body, this community, this family that you get to be a part of if you're in Christ, we get to bring it to our brothers and sisters. We get to bring it to the church, and we get to decide together, how are we going to show love to this person? How are we going to do that? How can I bring this into my workplace? Do you guys have ideas? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe if we got together, we could brainstorm and God would just provide something. Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit works? Because we are called to be. Finally, um, God calls it sacred. There have been times when um, I have been trying my best and I'm doing all these things, and I think I'm exactly in the center of God's will, and I look around, and I feel like nothing's going right. Ever been there? I'm trying to do the next right thing. I'm trying to listen, and nothing's working. This calling is terrible. And then you get hindsight, and you get to see how God was at work bringing this person into your life. And prepping you for this thing. And providing there. And on the other side, you realize, oh wait, God has been at work the whole time 
And so maybe my work wasn't really in vain. Maybe the empowerment of my decision, maybe the inclusion of my family getting to decide together is actually God orchestrating and weaving the tapestry and calling my work sacred. Because we tend to put artificial barometers on the results of our work, don't we? Oh, that worked out. That was terrible. We should do this. We should not do this. See, when we're worried about what we do, we're failing our calling because our calling is about who we are. And if who you are is holy, no matter what it is that you're doing, the calling works out. And so maybe you're here this morning and um, you've never felt like God has called you to something and you've never felt empowered by God to do because you're not sure where you stand. I want you to know that that verse in Corinthians that we read about being a new creation is as simple as saying, yes, I believe in you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. And I want to live my life in you. Old gone, new come. 